Hello, and welcome to The Conversation, a hyper-local, real-life discussion about Hasidus and its relevance in our day-to-day lives. One of the things I enjoy the most about this community is that from Shabbos meals to Sunday minion to Thursday night shir, you can overhear or take part in a meaningful conversation where people are trying to grow and be better parents, spouses, Jews. The power of these discussions is enormous, and all of us have benefited from a book recommendation, a podcast suggestion, or a life tip from a friend. I think as a community of Hasidim, it behooves us to take a look at what Hasidus has to offer for our very personal lives. Many of us spent years in yeshiva and studied Hasidus, but I like to compare that to a streetlight, which illuminates for lots of people. But just as important as a streetlight is having headlights that are driving in the same direction that you are in your personal corner that can take you to your destination. By re-examining teachings from our Rabbeim through a more mature lens, I hope to gain an understanding and appreciation of our rich heritage, as well as insights into how to be a better person on a daily basis. A large chunk of the inspiration for this project came from a story Rabbi Simon Jacobson shared when he was here for Yitzhak Kislev. In the early days of the Tanya, the Hasidim complained to the Alter Rebbe that it just wasn't doing the trick. They didn't feel the life-changing inspiration he had promised and couldn't believe it would replace their in-person instructions they had previously received. The Alter Rebbe replied that the Tanya couldn't have the desired effect because they were only consuming half of the product, the text. The other half, which he referred to as Negina, song, or implementation and incorporation, incorporating the teachings in their own understanding, that would be the life-changing element. That, then, is the goal of this Fabrengen, this conversation. The people gathered around this table each lead different lives and have different perspectives on the world around them. Each of us has something to learn from one another and when we discuss the ideas from Chassidus, we are able to help one another incorporate these teachings in our personal, familial, and work lives, looking for opportunities to grow and be a better person. Halfway through the conversation, we will pause, for what else but a niggin, for you to take a moment and think about how it can be relevant for you too. I look forward to more such conversations in the future, and if you'd like to join in, please reach out. The broader our perspectives, the more we can all, be, all gain. So let's begin. Sitting around the table tonight, we have myself, Menachem Klein, Mendy Garevich. Hi, Mendy. Hey, Menachem. <laughs> David so Rahmani. Hello. And Tiki Krasniansky. Yudshva is next week, and customarily, Chassidim study the series of Maimarim Vasi Lagani in the lead up to this date. The original Maimar was said by the Friedrich Rebbe in 1923 and printed in 1950 on what would ultimately be the day of his passing. The following year, the Rebbe accepted the mantle of leadership by explaining the first chapter of 20, and each following year, year explored the themes of the next chapter. For today, I'd like to focus on some continuous themes in the Fidu Rebbe and the Rebbe's Basilaganis. I think many of us have studied this at some point. I think I even learned it by heart in Yeshiva. But as we grow up, it's worth re-examining these ideas and how we relate to them. In short, the Rebbe lays out the mission statement if you will, of the seventh generation, Der Shvi, as the ultimate war against all evil, with the biggest stakes at hand, the coming of Mashiach. He places us at the forefront of this holy battle and enjoins us to do everything we can to ensure its victory. One point I'd like to start with is the concept of Shtus Diktusha. The Rebbe explains that all negative behavior by definition is by definition a Shtus, a foolish idea, which I get. All of our addictions, anger, negative traits, typically express themselves when we aren't thinking much. However, he doesn't say to fight this with logic. 
In other places, I believe, Kedusha is referred to as the antidote to stupidity because it's a logical conclusion. Hashem created you, so you follow him. Not here, though. The Rebbe insists that Shtustiklipa must be fought with Shtustiktusha, turning the actual physical concealment into light. But practically, what does that look like? When we were 17, I think it was like going on time and like knocking on doors that you might get thrown out of an office building for, or waking up at 6 a.m. when you learn all day and adding another hour to your day. But what does it look like now? Like, does it mean skipping bedtime for Mayrev? Does it mean, I think in Hayyam, there's a Hayyam that talks about how a businessman is supposed to steal time from his business to learn. But I'd like to hear all your thoughts. What does Tusha talk to you? What does it sound like to you? David? I think, I think just like as an introduction to this whole conversation for me is sort of where, where I am with a lot of ideas uh, within Chassidus. And um, I think for me, I am at a point in my life, which is just, I, I don't think this is the destination. This is a rung in the ladder for me, but where I've kind of started to see the ideas of Chassidus, not so much through a spiritual lens, but more through an interpersonal one. And so while Chassidus uses interpersonal relationships as mashalim, for me, that's kind of where I am as the end game. So when I hear things like Shtustik Dusha or Iskafia or Ishabchar, things like that, I don't necessarily think of them in a spiritual sense. I think of them in a social, interpersonal sense. Um, I guess at this point in my life where I am, my religion, so to speak, is my family, it's my kids, it's my wife, is the relationships with the people around me. Um, and so while I continue to learn to this and I continue to, you know, engage in that world of thought, I kind of engage with it at the martial level. Um, so when I, when I think of like words like shtustik dusha, kedusha for me is meaningful relationships. It's me being able to be part of a healthy relationship, me being, showing up healthily in a relationship. And I think in that space, it's, it's something that I think about a lot. I think that, um, in that space as a father, as a husband, as a friend. I'm a, I'm a teacher by profession, so in that space as well. Um, it requires a lot of putting rational thinking on the side. Because as soon as it becomes rational, it, sometimes the rational outcome is to be very upset at your child or to lose it at your student or to shut your wife out emotionally and in that space is coming at it and saying there's something here that's bigger than rational thinking your 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 relationship is more important than the logical conclusion in this moment um so that's kind of where i'm at with that i know it's kind of less spiritual than well, the, by the way I, what the mimer is necessarily referring to but that's kind of where i'm at right now in, in my in my relationship with Chassidus. That might be the for some people that might be the actual like the 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 logical thing is the if you want to say the spiritual thing, right? And the shtus is getting involved in the nitty gritty and getting involved in what's going on around them. I actually once heard someone ask actually Simon Jacobson about they said their daughter refuses to go to Shul. And 
they said, what should they do? Because they feel like they really should go to Shul. But on the flip side, their daughter doesn't want to go to Shul. So should they just like leave her at home? And he said, like, who said Hashem wants you to go to Shul in that situation? Maybe Hashem wants you to spend time with your daughter, right? Sometimes the, I want to say the, maybe it's hard to call it the stuff the klipa, right? But it's just what we convince ourselves is what we need to be doing. Maybe the Shtustiktusha is actually showing up for our family and being there. No, right. Just to clarify what I was saying, I was not saying that, like, in choosing between spirituality and family, I'm starting to choose family over spirituality. It's more in terms of the, the, yeah. para, the, the paradigm of this for me right now in my life is interpersonal relationships. I think that's exactly the theme. The, the goal that we're looking at here. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I think, I think if you would speak to, you know, people that learn this, you know, Mashpiim and, 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 and people that are sort of more, I guess, old school, this is this is about our relationship with Hashem. This is about our relationship with the Tzfilah. This is about our relationship with, you know, Limur and Avedis Achsidis. And I think it, that's an important paradigm as well. It's important. That, that, that probably is is the paradigm of, of what Chassidus is there for. I'm kind of taking like a sidebar of Chassidus and kind of making it the, 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 the focal point of how I learned Chassidus today. I'm not sure that that's actually like the right way to do it, but that's that's why I kind of just give it as a disclaimer at the beginning. Like that's kind of where I'm at emotionally, that's where I'm at spiritually, that's where I'm at just in general in my life. That's something that I'm just kind of focused on. Um, at some point in the in the future, hopefully I can get back to a place where I look I learn to remember like Basilagani and it affects my my dominant. I hope so. But um, for the purpose of this conversation, I just wanted to be brutally honest about sort of every question you ask is as far as I'm concerned, is gonna be seen through that lens. I think that like you're saying, the contrast to let's say, you know, old school or or Mashpiam that teach this in a very through a very narrow prism. Like being able to see, you know, and and I get what you're saying is like for you that's how you're looking at it, and you're you're not looking at it from the spiritual perspective necessarily. But I think you know being able to see how this plays out in real life, you know, in your marriage, you know, what does it, what does this tell me to my real life problems, you know, or struggles or challenges or aspirations, you know, how does this improve my marriage? I think that's beautiful as a way to you know really. Makes this meaningful, you know. And I think it's not a contradiction. It could be both, you know. It could be help you with your marriage, and you know, and you could learn from your marriage how to, you know, have a relationship with God and Hashem, you know, all the. So, but I just I, I do love how you're, you know, bringing it into something relevant. I I just said I think a lot of this conversation is just spurring a bunch of thoughts in my head. There's there's so much like. I didn't do a ton of like learning leading up to this conversation in terms of like the actual mimer, but the conversation is good because it's it's bringing up a lot of uh, uh, I guess uh, memories and and uh, you know thoughts I had back in the day from yeshiva. Um, I think it's interesting to think about when the question is about what is shdostiktusha. It's interesting to think about where shdostiktusha appears in the context of the mimer. And that is when the Rebbe speaks about, you know, that is the means to the Avaida of Darashri. That that is how we, you know, accomplish what we're set out, what we're supposed to set out to accomplish, which is the uh, the what the Rebbe calls Gmar Hamshacha Sashchina Lamata, 
the 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 culmination of the, the final push to um, bring Shechina down here. Um, and I, I I think when we think about Shtosikdusha, it's it it shows up a lot in the notion of Misa of just doing. And I think David said something along the along those lines around just doing. Um, whether or not that's you know the logical outcome or the logical response to a given situation, um, I think in our own seyavid or in our own lived experiences, um, there's logical um, or say natural series of events that you know a plus b equals c, um, and Shtusik Dusho comes in and says. Yeah, maybe even though the logical outcome should be C, because there's something else going on, because there's a higher mission. In the case of the Mimer, that's Gemar Hamshachas Hashchina. In the case of an interpersonal relationship, might be a higher goal, or like a, say, you know, uh, something that goes beyond the, the the current situation in front of our eyes. Um, so we have to go beyond C and say, let's let's do something else. And there's an absurdity there. There's something that's 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 shtus. It's it's stupid. It's 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 it seems absolutely wrong. Um, but understanding that there's a higher um, mission, goal, something that we want to set out to achieve, so we we go and just do it, nonetheless. Um, and that's the power of Misa. And I think we'll probably be speaking about Derhashvi and and what that means. Um, but I think just quickly, there's, I know I'm rambling a little bit now, but I guess that's the beauty of this. Um, I think another thing that, that was mentioned, um, something something made me think about the, in the Mimer, we speak about the different generations, right? There's, you know, Asara, not Asara, there's something else, but Zayn Sadikim, um, the Shechina went down, Went went up, went left to our realm, um, seven layers, and then came down through Maisha again, ultimately. And I think when we think about Shtostik Dusha in the context of 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 our generation, it's almost like everything we're doing is absurd. This is all like craziness. Like this whole generation of from not from observant following Torah and mitzvahs, it's it's absurdity. There's this shtus, like, and we're doing it nonetheless. And in what way? In what way do you? In 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 the in the context of the generations that preceded this one, where the fact that there are still from people is absurd. Yeah, the giants that preceded us, the 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 heroes of 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 our of our history, who led us up to this point, look at us potentially in. Could look at us in a, in a discerning way and say, "How can you go ahead and learn chassidus? You didn't. You're not. You haven't achieved X, Y, or Z level. Or how how are you able to, you know, you know, live somewhere outside of a Jewish community and grow up on shluchas and and you know, grow a beard and live a life of a of a Hasidic Jew and, and raise a family in this in this generation in this climate? There's a shluchas there. There's a there's a the whole notion is crazy." So it's almost like the, the the generations that's that are spoken about in the Mimer. I don't know. Something clicked for me over there as well, where it was like 
we're living lies, lives, uh, not lies, we're not living lies. We're living lives of just our very being, our very lives currently. To make sense of it all is is almost futile. It's not, it's not a it's not something that uh, is actually gonna make sense. It's almost something that we have to embrace the absurdity of it all and just kind of continue on. Um, and there's there's yeah. that medrash I think about, about Moshe Rabbeinu he saw the fact that Jews were keeping Torah so many years later that he was he couldn't believe it. It didn't. It didn't fit into the A plus B plus E, right? Yiddishkeit exists in a midbar. It exists in Eretz Yisrael, maybe like okay, but the, to exist after two thousand years of Gauls didn't make sense to him. Right, going back to the point about Shtus I remember in like the Sichas and and the Memoram that I would learn when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I would come across the words Lamayla mitamadas and Lamata mitamadas a lot, and I remember always asking the question like, who dictates what's what? Like all, all we know for sure is that it's a deviation from what makes sense. Who dictates if it's Lamata or Lamayla? So the answer I always got as a kid was like, well, if it's pushing you in the direction of Terra Mitzvahs, yeah. if it's Lamayla Mitamadas. If it's not, then it's Lamata. But that's like a, like, a, like a kind of a, I don't know, it's a very immature answer, to, so to speak, because like, okay, so yeah, you have a framing for Mila and Mata, for what's above and what's below, and really it's not an objective it's a very subjective answer. It's also hindsight. It's like hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, it's like, oh, if, 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 if the outcome was good, then it must. It's not just even about the outcome. It's also in, like in the moment. It's like this doesn't make sense. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? So, and the fact that we frame it as one is lam, if it was all lamatamitamadas, or if it was all lamatamitamadas, but sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, then yeah, that's hindsight. We're saying in the moment, even before you take the action, it's either lamatamitamadas or lamatamitamadas. How do you know which one it is? So the framing always was well, if it's you know, if it's for a higher purpose or whatever, then it's the Maya. If it's if it's not, then it's the Mata. And I'm putting that through the framing of, you know, again, the current way I, I, I'm looking at Chassidus and, and the Mashalim and, and, and the instructions, so to speak. I think anything that's Lamata Mitamadas, the way I would the way I would translate that today, is it's it's it 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 moves away from logical reasoning and closer towards self. And the Maile Mitamadas is, it moves away from logical reasoning and closer towards other. Well, I think that all of, I mean, if you go back to Tanya and you look at Nefesh Bahamas, Nefesh Lekis, Nefesh Bahamas is a selfish and Nefesh Lekis is selfless. And that's, I was going to go back to what you're right. saying about the interpersonal. It's very interesting that in the Mimer, the example he gives for Shtustik Tusha is these six right. stories of the Rabbeim. Right, like I think that's why this mimer. Like I remember as a kid, my mother would had like these coloring pages for mimer with all these stories. Right, that the the stories of the rabbim and what are they doing? It's a this specifically brings examples of Avos Yisrael. Right, it's not stories of the rabbim. Right, exactly. It's an interesting it's an interesting point that that's where he's showing that there is this concept of shtus kedusha because mm-hmm. what is kedusha? Kedusha is selflessness, being there. And advancing something that's beyond you, right? right? Uh, actually, someone recently, I heard someone recently say that why is parenting so godly? Is because look at how God gives us everything and we just like look back at him and just throw it all back and spit him in the face. And when you're a parent and you start seeing your kids doing that to you and yet you continue to give them, you're being godly. Interesting. That's nice yeah, and no, if you think about it, even the sikha that I think came right after the mimer, 
uh, in Tavshin Yer Aleph when the Rebbe said, okay, you know, in America, everything needs a tagline. Like, you have to come out with, like, a statement, like a new company, a new organization. And the Rebbe said, okay, so you want a statement? Here's your statement. statement is, like, we're going to conquer, what is it? We're going to we're gonna bring Mashiach to Rabbi Sestral, something like that. Yeah. Um, three loves? Yeah. Yeah. Three loves. I think I think in that it's going to be in that thing that there's got all through the channel of Avas Yisrael, something like that. So maybe that's the Shtostakdosha. Maybe like this concept of I need to be a better Jew for me, that was the logical way of operating for years. And here he's saying the Shtustik Tusha, like you said, that the whole Darshvi is Shtustik Tusha. They're not saying find Shtustik Tusha, but our whole way of operating is Shtustik Tusha is this selflessness, is this being there for others instead of yeah. I mean, I mean, something that I've been, I've been, I've been, I don't want to go on too long about this, but like something that I've been struggling with recently is thinking about this. There's some there's a, a saying that I love, which is if you want to see true selfishness. Observe a martyr. And the idea is that sometimes the selfishness is really, selflessness is really from a place of selfishness. That someone totally loses themselves because they want to be the hero or because they want to be relevant or because they want to, it's, it's important to just think about the framing of, you know, you know, losing yourself for other, just being very in tune with the, the motivation behind it. Because, um, you know, bad things can come from uh, a distorted sense of self selflessness. Well, the, back to you saying, that's where there's that. Is it my time? That's where it's Lamata. Because the same, you might have the same outcome, but it's how you, how you like, what your, what your mindset is. Yeah, shtus is a weird thing because it makes no sense. It's hard to define. It's hard to it's hard to control. It's hard to assess. It's hard to you know. I guess as Mendes said earlier, you you can look back five years later and say like, oh yeah, that was actually a good idea, or it wasn't. <laughs> or it wasn't. <laughs> but I guess in the moment, you have to you have to be aligned. Um, just want to reflect back on what Mendy was saying. Um, I like how you said how like. And I think you were, you know, mentioning also like just who are being in, you know, in today's world as a from Jew, you know, to whatever level we're at, but, you know, we're living a life, which is, you know, could be called absurd. Like, you know, we're just living to us. It's just, it's normal. But like, if you think about it, like, you know, the things that are so basic to us, like, make no sense in a way you know, like we're living to you know transform the world you know like we believe in Mashiach right we believe that the world can be or will be transformed you know it's, it's like like we all on one level to another like are living with this absurdity you know which I think is beautiful um, but also like the story that you Deva was saying about Shtustikdusha and marriage, but the story in the Frequent of Mimer, Shtustikdusha comes to the Gemara about marriage. Yeah, it was about a wedding and how, yeah. how like, you know, I think it even goes on there about, um, you know, Ishvi Isha. Yeah, it does. And, and, and the, what was he saying? Yud, yud, that, right? The, that if, that if Ishvi Isha bring 
yud k into their lives, that's when they can live together. Otherwise, not otherwise, their, otherwise it's ish. Right, right, right. right. So, each other. right. So, like, like even in the context of the mimer, he's he's you know he's speaking to, or you could see it in a way that he's speaking to, you know, like how can we um, bring divinity or something you know greater like this something greater than ourselves into marriage into relationship you know um which obviously i think you know could be could be um, abused oh yeah yeah that too what do you mean how so like very often i think the sticking point for a lot of marriages is the spirituality of like uh you when, mean how do you how do you make sure that the spirituality is furthering your marriage not but meaning furthering it in a better way, not distancing it. Not being weaponized. Right. <laughs> I guess that's what it all comes down to is there's this a humility, a selflessness, a that seems to be the theme that we're getting at. That there's that if it's not me centered, then you have the ability to have this dictatorship and it not be a static loop. Right. I think I think you see it a lot in parents when it comes to issues at school, especially in today's generation, like when like a teacher complains about a child or when the principal complains about a child, like t- parents typically don't come at it from a very logical perspective. I mean, parents don't come at it from a very logical perspective. It's more just like they have this just innate need to protect their child, which I think is a good, again, it can be abused, like anything can be abused, but like, that's a good thing. Like that's just, that's, I, I would say that's just a good issue you're your child's champion and not necessarily just like coming at it from a very like logical and rational and calculated perspective like so healthy like the child needs to feel like you're on their side even if it's beyond the scope of what actually makes sense so it's an example that came to mind like parenting isn't isn't an equation that's always going to add up and neither is married and neither is married <laughs> but something that came up for me well, yeah, a beautiful point, but something that came up from what you're saying before was like, and this is something like, I guess to to continue off what I was saying earlier, like something that has been presented to us, you know, as 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 holy ketusha, right? And it's very possible, you know, it's just, you know, like for example, you know, a parent who's been, you know very harsh on their child in the name of religion, right? So, you know, the kid walks away with like, oh, God, this is, you know, horrible, you know, entity, right? That just wants to make my life miserable, right? So, you know, that's the extreme example. But I think, you know, at least for me, um, you know, part of my process and work has been like, what is, you know, like man's interpretation, which you know, isn't holiness and what is like true holiness, you know? So um, something you said made me think of that, but, like talking about oh, how, how like how Kedusha could get in the way of a marriage, okay. right? You know, so like weaponizing, you know, holiness. So, like I think for me, like what I've come to is like anything that's expansive, you know, vitalizing, elevating, like that's what holiness stands for, you know. So, well, someone argue that's also an interpretation. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying my my take where yeah. I'm at now, you know. No, because it sounded like you were saying like the harsh father that 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 was an interpretation. 
meaning. Okay, so it's all interpretations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. One interpretation for another. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm not that saying I have the truth. Yeah. No. I, I just disclaimer that. I'm not saying I have the truth. Um, so what was I saying that? Oh, so like if someone's, you know, if, if religion, holiness is, is causing um, disarray in a marriage, you know, so that's the, for me is the first indicator that like there's some distortion in 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 the relationship to to Kedusha, to holiness, right? There's something unholy here that's happening, even though it's in the name of holiness. For me, holiness is what brings together, you know. So if there's something that's causing strife, that's the first, you know, that's the first, um, you know, sign that there's something unholy going on, right? Like. I don't know where I was coming at, but... Holiness must be good Holy, and right. pure. Like, yeah. Right. So, like, you know, you know, just an extreme example. A guy that's spending all his time away from his away from his family in the name of, you know, and he knows having... Right. So, that question, you know, it puts a question mark on the holiness of it, you know. Or, you know, I'm not judging any specific situation. I'm just, like, trying to make a point over. But, um, yeah, so, like... Yeah, I guess time maybe time back to what you were saying about like how does there's a plan on a marriage, you know? And you're saying like in the in, from the prism of inter uh, interpersonal relationship, but also from the perspective of like spirituality, like how does what does it mean to have God in your marriage, you know? How does that make your marriage more beautiful, make it more whole? You know, like maybe having a beautiful marriage. You know, a, you know, selfless in the sense where you're like, you know, truly loving for your for each other. Maybe that is a holy marriage. You know, maybe that's. You're saying, yeah. by the way, even each each and each of statement of taking the letters, they each have to give for the yud k to exist. It's mm-hmm. not that yud k becomes each and isha. You bring each and isha together, then you have yud k. That. It's when you each put in that's when there's that holiness. It's not right. holiness isn't going isn't um is what, is what brings you to, is what brings right. together. My point. One thing that Siki just said it reminds me of it's semi-related. Um, it's it's a story that I remember actually back. David and I went um, both went on shulchas different years to Australia. Um, one thing, one of the things I did over there was help run a program. Um, for Pir Shamilas for davening, um, and what you said, Sviki, around how if it's if there's something wrong in the marriage, or if there's something that seems amiss, it's it's a sign that the underlying holiness or kedusha involved in it is somewhat tainted or maybe not so not so pure. Um, and going back to the Pir Shamilas, there was there was a something we say in davening about. In Hashem's place is Oiz and Chadva, strength and like happiness, Chadva. And, you know, there was like a side note for every part of the davening that we would have the kids like think about. And this part was was a story about a chassid who came to the Rebbe complaining about his depression and he was so sad. And without saying anything, the Rebbe um, went over to the window in his you know, room, right? opened the door and like made like a, a motion with his hand as if he's throwing something out the window. Um, and he said something along the lines that of this, this room that the Rebbe was, was residing in cannot contain within it any sadness or any, any like depression. Um, 
point being is that in the Rebbe's presence or in the presence of Shechina, of holiness, of, of the Ebishter, of Mekoymai, it cannot contain within itself anything that's not Oiz and Chedva. And so if it's here, it right. means it's not, right. it means it's got to be Chedva. And if it's right. over here, within the space of holiness is only, is only Kedusha and only, only good. Um, Maybe another interpretation as well, but no, I know that. Yeah, I, I think what you're, what that's making me think of is, and something that I struggle with a lot was like guilt or shame, like in the name of you know spirituality, you know, or like right. I think a lot of people deal with that. It's like, you know, a lot of our drive is was was given to us, like you know, you do it because otherwise, you know, if you don't put on film every day, you're a terrible person. You know, I'm not saying it was necessarily that explicit, but like. There's, there's some, there, at least for me, there's like some shame, you know, that, that was came and packed into like, if you don't do this right, you know, there's some shame in there. And, you know, just, just make, you know, created a relationship with Yiddishkeit, Mitzvah one, which is, you know, very intertwined with shame, guilt, judgment, right? Um, again, I'm just speaking of my own experience. But like you're saying, if it's, Abishta, then there's there's joy, there's wholesomeness, you know, there's love, there's connection. Right. You know, if 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 you know there's something misaligned, if your Yiddish guide is just about guilt, shame, like yeah. you're not enough, you know, you do this because right. otherwise you're not enough. Like, anyways, that's what. Oh, it's a it's a good point because doesn't mean that we have to strive for perfection because actually, like you're saying, shame comes about because we strive for per- perfection. Shame is the, right. is the opposite of perfection. When we don't meet that right. level of right. 100% perfect, there's shame. Um, and to, to combat that, you, there ha- you have to understand that it is all ultimately okay. It's all, right. it's all Abishter. It's all love. It's all Kedusha. Right. And it's not saying strive for all Kedusha. It's all, it's embrace that with your faults, you're still, you know, the Abishter's beautiful child. And I think that what comes to mind when you're saying that is that there's many different ways that we refer to the Abishter. And a, a, a rare one is mucking. Right. Very rare. But if you notice the times that we do reference it, it's all in, in, in moments and instances where someone is needing a space. Because our, our most innate desire is to take up space. So like, for example, when someone passes away, right? And you have a valum. So they lost their space. Their mother was their space. Their father was their space. Their sibling was their space, their safe space. So what do we say to them? Hashem will be your space, right? And also when it comes to the Seder, right? You say, Baruch HaMokim Baruch Hashem has space for all these kids, the Arba Abanim. And so what you're saying is that like, Hashem is creating a space for you. And if you really see that as a safe space for you just to be you, the result will be Oiz and Chedva. Nice. Check like that. We focus a lot on the Chedva, but Oiz is a very powerful thing too. It's the strength. Like that space gives you the strength. Oh, yeah. I think it goes together. It goes together. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It goes together. Yeah, I like that part.
So, in the first Mimer of the Rebbe, Bathagani, the Rebbe emphasizes that it's, he's starting fresh, so to say, in Lubavitch, and he's, call, he's called the Darshvi, that it's not by choice, but this is the seventh generation in Kalashi and Chavivin. Uh, seven, uh, I mean, the seventh is the most beloved. He talks about Moshe Rabbeinu being the seventh from Avram, and Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that accomplished what Avram was trying to accomplish and bring godliness into the world, and therefore he says that it's it's our job as the seventh generation to do this ultimate work and bring Hashem into this world, bring Mashiach, basically. Um, I mean, we're seventy-three years, yeah, 70, yeah, seventy-three years from there. I have a hard time with like saying that like it's the same Darshvi. right? I think like, we're, but like we're definitely no, Gen Z at this point. I, I've, I've heard Darshvi plus rumblings. <laughs> Uh, no, one's willing, no, no one's willing to say we're like not Dorshi, right? So it's Dorshi plus, but like, how often does that show up in your, like, does it only show up the week before you chat? you think about the concept of Dorshi? Like, Side note, um, what what was the, this is a question, I don't know the answer. What was the, the we say Kalashvin Chavivin, what what did Moshe do? You gave the Torah, that's that like, what was the, the his the thing that, from that, medrash. that that he brought it down? Wait, what does it say in the Medrash? I think actually there's two. One is the one that brings in the, this Mimer is the Mishkan. He built the Mishkan. Mm. I think there's another sometimes that brings the Medrash that, that he brought to Torah. So I think it could be both. Well, it says by Man Torah that was when there was the Shkan. Yeah. No, but the, the, the Mimer that brings Vasagan is to the Mishkan. Right. Ultimately, right. He says, where was it? It was in the Mishkan. But I think the point that he's bringing out of the Mimer is that Moshe practically did a very small, right. at that point, right? Okay, like Moshe, Moshe going to power was a huge deal. But this concept of Moshe bringing Mount Tyra to 3 million people that are waiting in the desert for it isn't necessarily this massive deal. And he compares him to Amram, meaning who went on Messiah Snefesh, for the concept of godliness, but yet wasn't able to accomplish that. And Moshe being the Shvi, accomplished what Avram set out to do. I think that's right. what he, and that's the nimshal he's giving is that like the earlier Abayim put everything out there and now we just have to make it happen. The way it's always been, I've always understood it growing up in yeshivas and what's been told to me is that Darashvi is like, you don't really have to understand what you're doing. You don't really have to be at a certain level. It's like, what does it say? It's in Tanya, just grab and, and grab whatever you can. Grab grab and eat. Grab and drink. When it comes to Judaism, Yiddishkeit, and uh, whether you're or not, you're on a, that level that would uh, deem you, you know, the right kind of level to actually go ahead and do these things. Like back in, you know, Temchet Mimim was only like, you know, the the top bachrim went to Temchet Mimim, and now everyone goes to Temchet Mimim. Everyone's in yeshiva. Yeah, the cocker of the lock. So that's you know the 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 theme of Darshvi as I understood it growing up, but you know actually growing up and you know maybe revisiting a mimer here and there over the years. When you think about Darshvi, I think it's much more around uh, a sense of ownership. I think it's around. Um, uh, a personalized connection, whatever that may be. Um, 
also understanding the risks that go along with a personalized connection with Hashem or with Yiddishkeit. Um, and the way I think about it is, is maybe it's a muscle or a story, I don't know. Uh, the, the difference between, say, a movie and a, and a book. The movie is is something that's been shown to you, and we can, we can even like pull that thread even more. It's like the original, you know, uh, let's say uh, a puppet show, and then there was like stop motion theater, and then there was, you know, black and white, and then there was, you know, full on, you know. You have to do I'm no a, imagining of your own. Basically. And so those those right those are different levels of diluim of 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 shchina that was brought down. But it was never your own. It was always imposed on you. It was always something that was being fed to you. Um, and today there's choose your own ending TV shows. There's also choose your own ending TV shows. <laughs> right. Um, I've never seen them. Yeah, it's like they, they film oh, yeah. multiple outcomes. And then you, when you get to like a point, it, you like pause it and you're like, okay, I want to go to the office actually, or go to the grocery store. Yeah, we actually have a, a few kids books for my daughter that you can choose your own adventure with the, within the book. So you basically uh, have to write four stories and, uh, and you just like, go to page very 30, thick 30. books. Um, but yeah, so going back, so a, a film is someone else's story. It's someone else's emotion. It's someone else's thought and it's all being transmitted to you in a way that someone else deemed is the way for you to understand it. You're feeling what someone else told you to feel. You're experiencing in a way that was orchestrated for you to feel that way. Whereas in a book, yes, you know, the the words on the page, you know, are written in a way to that will, you know, elicit some sort of emotion. But ultimately, it's your own mind and it's your own heart that's that's owning that narrative and coming out with a feeling. And What's incredible to me is, I think, is that, and this, I think, ties very, very strongly into Darshvi, is that it's not about the story or the emotion that you feel coming out of reading that book. The point of it is that you actually felt something at all, that you understood something, that you felt something and you came out of it with something, that you connected with the author of the book in that way. I think about the other mushroom, famous mushroom we speak about, like like Chuva, whereas the 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 Melech, you know, expels his his prince son from the from the kingdom, and it's it's a harsh reality for 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 the, for the prince, um, but it's it's not it's it's not a, a story of sadness. It's a story about the coming of age of a of a prince who who really ultimately returns to, to his, his father's home um, on his own accord, on his own terms. And that prince went through all of it, right? He went through the muck. Um, and again, I think the beauty is that the king knew that it would, it would be difficult. Um, but he did it for, 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 for the good of his own son to come to that realization of his own. And when I think about Darashvi and what that means is Hashem understanding that it's not about whether this 
Jew in this generation is Mekayim Teremitzis. This is this is almost fair over here, but it is Mekayim Teremitzis, not Mekayim Teremitzis. It's the fact that he comes to a realization that there's an Abishter and he feels something, whether or not he he's Shemer 613 Mitzvahs or not. And that's that's maybe hearsay, but ultimately, when you zoom out, it's all about connecting to the Abishter anyway. And so Hashem created a space for a Jew to connect to, to him in this generation and do it on his own accord and do it on his own on his own terms. That to it's me is, is very Darashvi esque. Yeah. It's interesting because if you think about the bookends of Darashvi in terms of the Rebbe's talks, I would say on one end is Yud Shvatosh and Yud Aleph. And really, I would say the other bookend, I mean, obviously, Chavzai and Adar, I think Matis Maste was right before Chavzai and Adar. Yaakov Kudai. Yaakov Kudai was right before and Adar. But really, the last, like, I don't know, for me, like, Chav Chesnissen was like the bookend, the other end. And both those times where the Rebbe said exactly this point. And you tried to shnir out, the Rebbe said, yeah, yeah. 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 So not, I was going to say, but, not, it's it's not, and, and then on the other end, it was do it it but also medicine, where it was, you know, $2,000 for your Ken, I'm yeah. not going to do this anymore for you. It was almost like that was how the Rebbe sort of Begin and, you know, yeah. beginning and end of the Nasiyas. Well, obviously not the end of the Nasiyas, but the beginning and the end of the, of the, of the you know, words of the Rebbe that we have to this point. But basically that, that Durashvi is this idea is that it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be you. And it's interesting, the Rebbe also says in the Mimer, and in this, if you listen to the recordings of Tafjunyud, and the Rebbe says, Mimer Basi Lagani, and the part where the Rebbe is choking with tears, assuming the, the role of, of Rebbe and understanding that he's bearing the responsibility of a generation of Chassidim, of, of Yidin, um, and he says, this is not something that is what we necessarily want, or not, not something we ever asked for. It was that we didn't ask for. We don't even agree with the Rebbe says potentially. Right. Right. Saying he's reckoning. But he's saying he's putting out the possibility that this is not gonna work, if you want to say. Right. And I, I, but I was gonna say I could, I could read what you're saying into the mimer because is what does that mean? It means yeah. bringing Hashem to the place where he's not. It's bringing Hashem to the awareness of a person to. Of space to a level of awareness where I'm not in the mukim, I'm not feeling it, I'm not with Hashem, but yet I, he, he shows up there for me. And what shows up there is I just thought of this as you were saying is that he talks about this yikrid the kudshabrichu, right? The, yeah. the whole goal is to bring the highest level of Hashem, not atzilus, not what, which at that level mitzvahs don't mean anything. Correct. Right? It's higher than the connection that we have with Hashem. That's through Torah mitzvahs. It's that direct connection of a neshama to like right. us. Right. And it's that's just to go down. But 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I, I, by the way, I th- I do think that the Rebbe knew that he was going on a dangerous road in general and a lot of things. And and and, and it was worth it because it's Darsh feet and all cards are on the table and like we just got to figure out how to get how to get this. And that, that's the goal. Right? The humorous story that comes to mind is I heard that one time someone came to the Rebbe and was complaining about some of the shluchim. And the, I don't know if they were doing something wrong or there was a scandal. I don't know exactly. There was complaint, and there, there, someone was telling the Rebbe there should be some more quality control mm. in terms of the guys that go and where they go, and like, and the Rebbe made a comment something like, 
am I the Maharal that I could just like make make perfect, <laughs> you know, models of human beings? Then they're like finished the sentence. I was like, I work with what I have, mm. which I think is a great line. Like it's like you know, it's it's going to be perfectly imperfect. Mm. If you think about if you think about parents and their children, and you think about like this theme that we've been talking about. And what it means to educate a child in this day and age, and how do you instill the values of Yiddishkeit in, in children? So you could go with what's been done for millennia, for for generations, which has been, you know, the carrot and the stick kind of thing, and um, you know, you have to be on time to say there, and you have to wear this, and you have to look a certain way and do certain things, and adhere to a set of a very, very, very strict set of rules. Uh, and otherwise, go, like Tzvika was saying, there's the shame, there's the repercussion. Um, and that's one way. And doesn't really work in this generation. And the other way is, is like almost like the king and the prince to, to let go and understand the, and assume those risks. But know and be assured that Ultimately, this is this is Ratzanalian. It's Ratzanalian for Nisavak that Yidden Jews should come to this realization on their own and should build that relationship. It's funny because like when I think back, to like I mean, thank God I didn't have a very traumatic yeshiva experience. Like I know a lot of guys did, especially like I went to Burma. Like it was a very positive experience for me in general. But like looking back, I realized like some of the things that were the way Hanhala related to the kids was very odd and negative. Um, and like, sometimes I play out these conversations in my head, like what I would say to Hanhala. <laughs> and like, it really boils down to one question. I was like, oh, you too? You also played in your head? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like, really the question I would have to them is like, what are you so afraid of? Right. I was going to say, like, mm-hmm. we can live in this fear of thousands of years. We're like protecting Hashem. Like, right. has to, you have to do this and this for Hashem to exist, right? And then... That's the whole concept of chiddus. Well, of chutzah, to, to the shame right? conversation we were talking about. Like, I mean, I think the bigger question is, people people are scared of shame. People don't want to feel shameful. They don't want their children to look a certain way because that's shat and and X, Y, or Z is going to happen. I think the bigger question is, why are we striving for perfection? What's propelling us to no, I think we meet do a certain to, standard? We do have to strive for perfection. I think in anything we do, we always have to strive for perfection. I disagree. No. You want to strive for mediocre? No, I want to. I want to strive for, for for doing. Perfection is is untenable. It's it's. But you strive for perfection. I, and I, I don't think, think that's I think what it is. Instead of for failure, though, if you you're trying, you want someone to be the perfect. Like, is that what truly we're striving for? Is that what you're trying to say that that the goal that we're, you know, we're setting for ourselves or our children? Or the, or I think so. Is to be perfect. But I think you have to redefine perfect. We're going for excellence, not perfection. Excellent. So you have to define that too. I just like the the word. I'm thinking about let's say let's say like I think perfect. I think the way we've been taught perfection is that it's very cookie cutter. Right. And whereas like I think perfection does exist and it has to be the goal. Perfection could be personal. Uh, exactly. Personal. Exactly. Meaning meaning I think that it, like if you're hosting a party, right? You don't want it to be perfect. Sure. You know what I mean? Or if you're hosting, like, yeah. But it's back to this is what you're dealing with. 
there's perfection in saying, oh, Hashem wants the world to be perfect. But there's also the reality of Hashem saying, I created a world oh, that's not perfect. That is this whole I, that was this whole experiment. I understand and, that. Can we have godliness in an imperfect world? So stop protecting me and keeping me in your perfect spaces. The whole concept of, of chutzah, manasecha, chutzah, is bring Hashem to the places where he's not comfortable. The question is how far you go with that, because like there's a famous story of the Altar Eva and um, a chassid that was kind of very cultured. And it came to the Altar Eva and said, you know, do you think it's shy to be on like the main street in St. Petersburg and still have holy machshavas? And then he said, oh no, he was talking to one of the Altar Eva's chassidim. And he said, you think you're holy? I walk on the main street in St. Petersburg and I still, he said, even more than that, there's a theater right there. I'm outside the theater and even there. I even go to the theater and I watch the shows and I'm in the front row. And you know what I mean? Like it's a very slippery slope to this idea of like, let's let's apply Ruchnius and, and Yiddishkeit even to... The imperfect, uh, for sure. But I think you know, so that's what Darshvi is. Darshvi is like all cards on the table. This world is ninety nine percent chutzah. Right. Stop boxing in Hashem. Okay, but there are two things. There are two things. One is that we should get rid of the shame. This is where I'm very much on board. We should get rid of the shame associated with being human beings. Right. That wants to enjoy ourselves mm-hmm. and. Eat and drink and watch and and have fun. Isn't that perfect? And be imperfect. It is imperfect. Exactly. But then there's the idea of like calling that Yiddishkeit. Oh, meaning, meaning, meaning. I think there's a line between accepting that as part of our reality and still striving to be great Jews. Maybe that's the time with Shtustik Tushaf. So you're 100% right. Hashem, Rebbe, Judaism set forth the means for the best possible mode of connection to him. To chassidim to the Rebbe, Jews to the Ebershir. To fulfill the mitzvahs and be kaim ratan alien. And that is terah mitzvahs or chassidus. So we're not saying that the imperfection is, is the optimal route. There is an optimal route. And that's set forth by our Rebbe by by our religion, by Hashem. Um, but like going back to the to the muscle of the of the uh, the the film, the movie versus yeah. versus the the book. So in the book, there's there's a bunch of words on a, on the page, and inevitably you're gonna have the few people who read the book and are gonna be medayik in every single <coughs> word in the book, and they're gonna say. First letter said this, and the second letter said this, and okay, now it said a sad story, so now I have to feel sad. Okay, I have to feel sad, and they're missing the point. They're not, they're not losing themselves in a book. I think this goes back to what Menachem started out with, with the Nagina. There, you have to be able to 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 experience it, and uh, I think when we say striving for perfection, it's it's very close to or it's very it's very um it's very possible to fall into that trap of you know you know religion is is a is a is a um breeding ground for people with ocd so so it's very it's very very easy to fall into that that trap of saying 
I'm going to do this now because, you know, this is the, the call of the moment. And this is what it says in the book that I'm reading right now. Versus, in zum Herz a little bit. Feel what what is set out for you to feel. Uh, it's not about the book. It's not about the story. It's that you should feel something. Right. I was having a conversation with Tzvi um, after davening one day. And I was like, this is such garbage. Like we're having the kids sit and chuckle for an hour. Right. And it's nothing. Like if I would just stand up and say, everybody, just stop what you're doing for one second and just thank Hashem for something you have. Yeah. Or ask Hashem for something you need. Or like, Baruch Sha'amar just think that Hashem created the world with his. And then, and then we close the books and we go to class. Like that would be more meaningful than all of this. And he said, he's like, yeah, he said, there's, a, there's like a joke about a guy. Um, that's like davening in his house, like with Kavana, yes, thousands filling on, whatever. And his wife is making challenge, and like the guests are coming, she was about to start, and she realizes she's out of salt. And there's one place she thinks that she might have salt, and she calls, like, like it's like, it's like, hey, we should please let it be salt. <laughs> and he's like, who was Makayim? It's this, the Tefila Dare Ice. I'm like, who, who, who added there? Right, right, right. <laughs> It's like kind of what you're saying. Like there's there's the rule book and the things we do, and then there's the, there's the moments of just like so that feeling should be organic and should come from you. It's also why it's also why the in the mimer again it's like the the main siluk was the first siluk me'aretz l'arkia. The main amshacha was me'arkia l'aretz because at the, it's at that moment that it becomes real because it's yours. There's an ownership. It's it's something that came from within. That's not something that's imposed on you. Right. Whatever that ends up being, what it's never ever gonna be the full gamut of 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 uh, Torah mitzvahs. It's not it's not gonna be that. We're lowly physical creatures. Nisava Kadosh Baruch is like you know, with us with us. So I think David was saying like there's a, there's danger to that. So but I think that that ties in to the Shtus of Tusha. Like that's the barometer, barometer uh, of if we're doing this the right way. <laughs> if we're doing this the right way, right? Is it Shtus Tusha or is it Shtus Tikkun? Is this a selfish or is it a selfless? Right? That's when we know if we're doing this experiment the right way. Well, I don't think so. I think I think what Mindy's saying, and I think he's right, is that like we're selfish people. We want what's best for us. And if within that selfishness we can find space once in a while for something that's beyond us, then that's great. But shtus, you, you're not going to live your life with shtus all the time. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. That's what's called shtus. If it, if, it, if it was constant, it wouldn't be called shtus. It's just your your mode of operating. It's just, again, it's a, it's a balance of like accepting our humanity, accepting our flaws, accepting our, our, our weaknesses, but also not necessarily feeling fully comfortable with them, I guess. But that, just to lead into the other idea that we mentioned is the Baslegani. The Rebbe was definitely one of the most positive people out there. I think there's one of these lines that's misattributed to the Rebbe, but the idea is there, you know, that if you look at the world and you see potential, that's godly. I, um, like I've always met a person, saw what was great about them, and he, this, so it's not in the mimer, but many, many sikhas about the mimer, 
Rebbe says that the Pasuk that the Fidik Rebbe chose to start this Parma with is Basi Ligani, that Hashem refers to the world as a garden, and that the whole goal is to take this jungle and turn it into a garden. That Yesh Balabayas Zu, and therefore, by definition, it's a garden. Because we are all godly, and I think that that ties into exactly what you're saying, is that if you recognize that the imperfections are not a, it's not a bug, but a feature, right? Hashem created us with those imperfections, then it's, a, uh, then it's all beautiful. Then yeah. any inspiration, any actual d- action that we do for Hashem is the most beautiful thing that there is. Because we're t- taking what could be a jungle and, make, and bringing out the garden in it. Perfect imperfections. Right. Right. I mean, the question is just how not to become apathetic towards his imperfections and, 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 and weaknesses. Let's say someone, I don't know. I'll just give a random example. Let's say someone that, I don't know, struggles with a certain issue, whether it's in Castro's or in whatever it is. And like, it's very easy after a conversation like this yeah. to be like, Okay, whatever. Like we're imperfect and it's fine. Whatever. And then it, be, it, it slowly turns into apathy um, towards that specific thing because it's like you're not going to be perfect. Well, does it? What does? Is that the? Is that the trajectory? Generally, that was always the fear. Generally, yeah. I think yeah, it's that fear. fear. I mean, do you know that? I know for myself, it's like that. As I've as I've embraced this path of self acceptance and getting rid of shame. There are certain areas of my life where I'm striving for more. I guess those are the areas that I like feel more connected to, and there are certain areas that I just like don't care about anymore. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe. But does Maybe. that lead you to think that you're like that? That's a you deep down. You think like that's okay. That's how I want that to be always. That's what I think is perfect. No, and I think a level it's... a level of acceptance that, that didn't exist before. Okay. And is that wrong? wrong um i guess this goes back to what are we striving for if we're striving for perfection then yeah it's wrong i mean i think i think there is a, a objective right and wrong as far as the way we view yiddishkeit and like Hassan's lifestyle so to speak i'll give an example like i don't know many of us i'll speak for myself I am not careful to daven with a minion. Like, even if I'm not going to do it in the next two, three years, like to start going to like shops, you know, family things aside, imagine if it worked out perfectly with my family and it was fine. Like, that's something that I should be striving for. But right now, like, I really, I hate to admit this on a podcast, but like, I, I couldn't care less. I, it does, I don't lose any sleep on it overnight. Right. I, like, I, but you're I, bringing it up right now, so like no, no, go on. That's why I'm using it as, as an example. Like it's not something that I care about. Like and and in a way, here is is that accepting that is gonna lead to not lead to anything, but that it's 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 something that's important in halacha. It's something that's important in 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 in, in, in I think a Jew that's serious about shulchan aruch. So this it's important in their life, and like me, kind of embracing this motto of. Everybody's imperfect, and find the way you are, and find moments of inspiration, and live on those. It's just like I don't know. Does that really answer the question of like? It doesn't. But maybe maybe tomorrow you're gonna go to Minion after this discussion. Maybe. Probably not. That's my point. Yesterday you weren't going this to is, Minion this either. Is, this right. is the abuse of Darshvi, hundred percent. Like there's this. All of us. The whole. 
davening tavoyde went out the window because oh, the dorshishi thing, right? Right? Dorshvi, we just we daven, we go mitzayim. I we don't go mitzayim, but we in theory, in theory, you know, like that's what we do. So we don't have to. So we don't. So we have, we're exempt from seventy-five other things. Right, so that was the, that's the, the sphere of Darshi. It was like the, that was the, the the possible negative outcome, but I think for the most part, like that was a calculated risk that the Rebbe was putting. You know, um, that was like the calculated risk that the Rebbe put out starting the Darshi thing, with the thinking that it's going to accomplish the goal. So yes, you might not care about minion for just because you put yourself out there. Sorry. Uh, for the next two, three, four, 15, 20 years, right? But can that lead to growth in other areas? And I, can, I think it can. What, the lack of it? Or the more... The, the, acceptance. The, the acceptance. More, I mean, the larger sense of agency that we have, I suppose, that like we can kind of choose what we want. Can it lead to growth in other areas? I mean, I think it depends how you... It leads to ownership. It's a bit of a revisionist... I don't know. Like, Also, is that the point for it to lead ultimately to growth in other areas? Maybe yes, maybe no. That, I don't know. I'm going back to what we spoke about earlier, but it, I, I, I understand and I empathize with greatly with what David is saying because I think we all live that. We all live that sort of... It's almost like a fear... Uh, you know, we we grew up in a society in a in a in an upbringing. I think all of us where you know there's there's highly regimented rules around everything, around Torah and mitzvahs, and this kind of blase uh, is that you pronounce it um, uh, attitude of this is it's all good, dude. Like. <laughs> Right, you, has, you. Has yeah, you do you, boo. Like, that's not what we're saying, though. We're saying that you need to own what you do. And we're not saying... But if that comes at the expense of doing stuff. I think, again, this goes... Forget about this for a second. Let's go back to, like, fundamental Judaism, or what we probably call like rabbinic Judaism, right? Like, the Judaism that we know today, like... Probably from like the Gemara and Halacha and, and onward. I would say like post post temple Judaism, very regimented like actions that are required. That sort of became the defining factor of, of Yiddishkeit. We have six hundred thirteen mitzvahs that we have to do in order to be considered good Jews. And like, let's take the argument all the way to the extreme. If 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 God, if you had to guess, if, if God could come out and answer this question, what do you think he would answer this question of? Would you prefer someone who does all those actions or does none of those actions, but feels connected in moments of inspiration? I think the answer, okay, I'm not going to answer for you. The answer that I would assume based on what I was taught, again, forget about what I believe, but I was taught. I mean, this, the, so I, I don't think one negates the other. This is a conversation. Yeah, this is a conversation of the 1700s. This is the conversation of, of so this, so this is a good thing, right? The Mishnagdim were worried and Right? right, so at least so, look what happened. There's this whole movement of Rahman al Exactly. I, I love God and I don't of, go. Of Shalai Lishma or Lishma. Mitat Shalai Lishma, Balishma. Right? And one doesn't have to negate the other. Shalai Lishma or Lishma. I think we're, we're seeing today that it does negate one, one does negate the other. I think the more blase, I think the empowerment that the Rebbe gave to our generation 
of, of agency and, 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 and being your own person and kind of they're essentially let go. Like, you know, hands off parents. There was a hands off parents in many ways. Like, go, you know. So I think so this was that to an extent. Maybe. But I think there wasn't access to Fine. what we have today. Yeah. There wasn't well, access to culture okay. and society. So that's and why when it came to 20th century, the okay. Rebbe said, listen, this is what's happening. You guys do what you can. I think the Rebbe's antidote was shlichus. And we're living, I mean, we're not in, in, in the age of shlichus anymore. We're a post-shlichus era in many ways. Shlichus. We're shlichus. And so, like, I think, what's the modern antidote to that? I don't know. I don't have answers. Could be that you guys disagree with what I said about what would be preferred. What you said about like the question if you ask God what he prefers, like, yeah. you, you made me remember of this mashal I heard. I, I think the episode of the Bashamtiv is that there was a blacksmith who had an apprentice, you know, and he was teaching him all the, you know, ins and outs of how to form, you know, metal. And and he was taking notes and remembering all the details. But the teacher never, you know, his mentor never told him you have to light the fire. You know, because it was like basic, you have to do it over a flame. So he goes and he tries to do it himself and, and nothing, he's doing everything right, but nothing's working, you know, because there's no flame. So I think, like, I think what was saying is like, that is what this came to say is like, Yiddish guy is all about a relationship. If you have no relationship, so what's the point? I think, I, I think that's what Mendu is getting at. It's all about, you know, your relationship to the Ebershter, right? And, and like owning it and, and, and making it something that's real. There's like that way of looking at it is either or. And I think there's, there could be a truth of like, they're, they're both true. You know, they're both true is that Ebershter, the point dear Tachtenim, so it says, dear Tachtenim is, is, is in, in an Ashama. You know, the Ebershter wants a relationship with us. You know, <laughs> like that is the point. So if like your whole Judaism is just like, to fit in a box and you know because otherwise you're not good enough like it's almost like we're missing the point we're doing it i don't think anybody's denying that if you could have both no no great. i'm trying no i'm trying to say is that again we're not we're not perfect right and accepting i don't i don't i don't, I don't call it accepting but like approaching this cat from a way of like how could i authentically you know be in this relationship with Abish there right and sometimes that's where i'm at you know and i'm not at the perfect perfection right i think we could also i'm saying it, it is this way but i think we can hold space for you know the other truth of like there is a a, a perfect model of what the avish there is is offering us diving three times with a minion and i'm not there and i still love the avish there and i'm serving him where i'm at so like doesn't need to be that like if i take on that that stance then i'm like floating away because it's just whatever floats my boat you know like i could i could have that and at the same time know that there's like there is a perfect model well that's exactly the question i was asking that i think that what, we, what we've been discussing which is something that i subscribe to right now is just like kind of a toned down version of intensity of just like be 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 good just just do your best and then like that how to kind of necessarily i think evolves into just apathy of, well, if it's good enough, then it's good enough. If it's good enough today, it's good enough tomorrow. So then I think that's where you get into Vatatzava is there. And like all of Yiddishkeit has always been like, there's, there's this perfection that you always have to have in mind. 
And so, like, Thoreau gives the idea that, yeah, you might not be being chased by a Kazakh, but you live internally with a gullus, right. with a knowledge that I'm doing the best I can and I'm not perfect. And that knowledge itself is enough to, 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 to combat that, I think, is what he's trying to say. Maybe so much of this kind of stira that we see between... You know the uh, the that one comes at an expense of another is not untrue, but largely fabricated. If that makes sense, it's something that we kind of uh, are just feel f- fearful of um, within ourselves. Either at or. The end, at, yeah, that it's either or that, that, either that we have to make a choice. And ultimately. We are, we actually are, we have, we're people with hearts and minds. We have brains on our shoulders. We were living, breathing people who live a messy life. So what's the alternative? The alternative is to, is to what? Is to just, you know, be a robot? We're not robots. We're not robots. I'm thinking about, you know, marriage, like going back to me, you know, saying busting on in marriage, but it's like saying, okay, you know, you're in a marriage, and inevitably there can be conflict, right? You can get into a fight. It happens, right? So do I accept that? And like, oh, oh my gosh, if I accept that, I'm just going to end up being this terrible husband. Maybe it could be that fair theoretically, right? Or does that, to accepting that, yeah, there's going to be conflict, it just it could, you know, make your relationship even better. I think as long meaning, as you know there is love, meaning you know there's the that. The other extreme, right. like, like the extreme of being robotic would be like, so always being agreeable, make sure never get into conflict, avoiding any, you know, don't bring up any, you know, anything that bothers you, like just be always passive and avoidant and, right? Because if you, because if you accept disagreement, if you accept conflict, you know, your marriage will fall apart, right? I think that would be like the quote unquote, like robotic way of the other guy where it's like, you have to be perfect because if you're going to accept where you're at, then you're just going to drop the whole rule system, right? Or drop, drop like the ideal that Terry gives out to you. But what if, like, no, for care, to embracing that, like, someone that embraces conflict in a marriage could ultimately come to a deeper, you know, connection, right? So embracing that we have conflict with pyramids and we have our struggles with it can ultimately lead to a deeper relationship. I think, I think the reason why I have a big challenge with it is because my personality is more like an engineer where I need everything to fit neatly into a box. Right. And like I love building IKEA furniture, furniture, and like building model toys and things like that. This is a, this is a it leaves too much. To it leaves too much, too much open ended. It's like either tell me to do this or tell me to do that. Like I think what you're saying is it's it's a fear of yours. Fear of mine is having to make decisions. Yeah, sure. Welcome to the pub. Like I, this is like a crazy story, but like I remember when I was like 15 or 16, I went Shlokas, I had the Shliach in Florida somewhere. And like I remember, there was and I like as a kid, it was very in yeshiva. It was very much like, what do you want me to do? Tell me, I'll be there. Tell me what right. to do. And I couldn't figure it out. What What do you want me to do? Okay, so one thing they wanted me to do was learn Gemara. I couldn't do that. Like what? Like and so I remember like there was this guy there, sweetest guy, an Israeli guy, and he was engaged to a non-Jewish Russian girl or like Slovak girl. And like over the course of the Yomtif, we got to know him and we were very friendly with him and like whatever. And I remember like it culminated in Simchas Terah. I was like very drunk as a kid 
And like, I looked at him with such envy and I was like, I wish I had such a clear path to success as you do. Like you're in a situation where like, where like what you have to do, you are great. What you have to do is so clear. It's just like, it's a tough decision, but it's like, you know what it is. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, so I, I, of it. <laughs> and I was like jealous of this guy. I was like, at, le- at least you have the, at least you have the manual. Like you got your instructions. I don't have any instructions. I'm out here in the wilderness trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And like I remember reflecting on that later. That, that, that like it's kind of like a theme that comes up in my life a lot. It's like I, I look to outside sources to dictate decision making and to dictate direction. And to dic- so like it comes to a situation like this where it's like okay, be yourself, find a meaningful Judaism, and that that will mean that you're going to have to take some agency over what that looks like for you. And for me, that's just like very difficult. It's like, no, 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 tell me what to do. Is it okay that I don't have the mean or is it not okay? You know what I mean? Like I can't make the decision on my own. Um, and I guess the answer is like, yeah, like just dude, go for it. Just figure it out. I, I, I guess it's just a personal journey that I have to go on. To some extent, all of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I relate a lot. Yeah, but I think, I think, I think, historically throughout my life, I'm noticing more and more as I'm going on a journey of like self-discovery and like thinking about my youth and my teenage years and my, my like you know early years as a married person. Like a lot of it was me looking around me for what's the right thing to do. Not necessarily even the right thing or like what's expected or just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, even like the jobs that I got or the things that I did or was it all like people coming to me say, coming to me and saying, oh, you'd be great at this. We need you to do this. Sure, I'll do that. Like, no problem. If, I, if I'd be great at it, <laughs> right. then I must do it. Right. right. Um, so like thinking in terms of like this balance of Rahman Alibabai and like also, you know, there's there's job to be done. It's like it pulls you in different directions and it just leaves a person with a lot of agency. And I guess that's just... But Hashem's a big Hashem, and I think that was part of his goal. I think actually in one of the recent Basilagani's, that like I think was the one that was learned last year, he talks about the greatness of Hashem as the ability to abuse Hashem. The, the fact that you can take Tyra and, and use it against Hashem, that shows Hashem's greatness. Free will. I think it's really free will, no? Like, free will comes... He says, is the idea that you can use Tyra as not only but I forgot the expression that he uses, is that you can use Tyra in the wrong way. You can pass it against Tyra. Yeah, and that is the ultimate greatness. And it's a calculated risk. That's what I think. It's just Hashem is big enough to handle your few years of not davening with a minion or your whole life of not doubting with a minion because he appreciates the fact that you show up. I don't think he's an either or. Hashem can handle both. Hashem wants both. And that is, that's his greatness. And, but there, he also has the promise that specifically about Tyra. It says that, that just the fact that you're learning Tyra at some point is going to show up that you're going to use it in the right way. Even if right now you, you spend all your time using it wrong. So yeah, exercise your free agency. That's what makes us human. That's what makes us godly. Reality. Right. Yeah, beautiful. I, I thought you were talking about something else, but in the same similar same lines, but a different bus again that speaks about 
a free choice is the most godly capacity we have, right? Like it's, it's, you know, in the words of Sisters, Atzimus has no, you know, no definitions. You know, he could, he could be or do or choose anything. And he gives that uh, a human. So that's the most divine power we have. And, and in, the, in its definition, it's the power to be used, you know, to choose good or evil, right? Like, like, there's, the, the option is there. You're saying. Right. So like, Babishter doesn't want us to be robots, you know, back to your saying, like he wants us to have a relationship that comes from our choice. And inherent to that is that, yeah, it's going to be messy. We're not going to be perfect. We're not always going to choose the best thing. But he'd rather have us choose something than it be imposed on us. You know, I think that's what Mendy was saying earlier. Yeah. And that goes back to this Baslagani, the, the first Baslagani, that the whole point that, that the Rebbe's proof that they're ha- that the point is is that we exist. The very fact that Hashem didn't stop with making Atilas and making Malachim shows that that's not what he's interested in. The fact that he continued and made a physical world with 2024 and with humans that have free choice means that that's where he wanted. That was his goal. Smart. Well, well, they, what are they called? The, uh, you know, with their, the humans that will be AI integrated? They're like, <laughs> maybe that's what he wants. Thank you all night. All right. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Thank you, man. Menachem. Thank you, everybody. David. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this, listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. I look forward to sharing future conversations with you, and I hope you will join us on this journey. Thank you for listening.